Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to another, another episode of the Rum Runners Podcast. On to the next one. On to the next one. On to the next one. On to the last one. What the fuck was that? Okay. On to the new one. I hate you too. Okay. Um, no, you don't. All right. You want to do the countdown? You want me to do the countdown? I'll do the countdown. Okay. Let's do this. I'm going to start at six. Okay. Start at six. Whatever you want to do. I'm here for the ride now. Six. <laughs> That's so weird. Five. Four. Welcome, Welcome back, back to another, another episode of the Rum Runners Podcast. Podcast. I am Jared. I am Kyle. And we're back to talk about the weirdest and funniest news from all over the internet. We read the clickbait so you don't have to. But today we are not alone. We are joined by good friend Andy, better known as DJ AK Vibes. How you doing, Andy? Yo, what's poppin', man? How's life? Life is great. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, you might as well just say live in the dream if you want to really show everybody how much you hate yourself. <laughs> life <laughs> life is life is happening. Let's say that. I hear you, man. That's what's up. Yeah. So uh so myself and Andy have known each other for for years now. We 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 went to high school together. Um we were he was he was, you know, we were all in a big group that we would hang out and do crazy shit all all, you know, all, all the time. Um but uh <laughs> but Andy has since graduating gone and done amazing things. Like I said, he is he's better known as AK Vibes. He is uh, a, a really great DJ that has been everywhere. I, is it safe to say that you've been everywhere? No, no, not everywhere. <laughs> I've been a few places, but you know, there's still more to get to. There's always more yeah. to see. <laughs> you've been to all the interesting places, right? I don't know, man. My bucket list is pretty long, so I, I like to look at it in the way of I've done some things, but there's always more to do. That's the way I look at it. So yeah, yeah. I but mean, have that's, you that's been good. to Ibiza? I have not. In fact, that's that's got to be on the list. That's on the you list. Lied to me, Jared. Yeah, I, I kind of lied to him and told him that you're in Ibiza. <laughs> you know, my hero DJs went to Ibiza. Yeah, that's, that's party central, man. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've I've been to Spain, but I've never actually been to that part. Well, gotcha. it's it's like a joke because there's like this really low budget well not low budget it's big in britain but there's like corny british movie that i made him watch called kevin and perry go large where it's these two 16 year old kids who somehow convince their parents to take them to ibiza so that they mm. can dj there and then a whole bunch of like grimy like disgusting humor happens <laughs> sounds like a movie i'd enjoy <laughs> yeah it's all they're they're also played by like 35 year old men one's a woman <laughs> Oh yeah, one woman. Yeah, I forgot They're about both that. dudes in the movie. That's, it's that's an gonna, interesting one. I was gonna say it sounds like it could be a real life story. I feel like that's something that could actually happen in in, <laughs> in real life. We're gonna have to look up to see if it was inspired by true events. By true events, yeah. <laughs> no. So I think probably the best way to start is uh, you know, because when I when I knew you, you've you've always loved music. Like you're you're always big into music. You know, I did music back when you knew me. What what kind of got you into DJing though? Uh, okay. So actually that began not too, not too long after high school. I always loved music. Like you said, and my taste in music wasn't always conventional because I would always, I would find music that I thought was dope. And even if it wasn't necessarily what was popular with our course mates, you know, yeah, there were certain, certain CDs I had certain 
tapes I listened to, certain stuff I found that I was like, yo, this is fire. So I always, I don't, I don't want to say that like I blazed my own trail of interest, but I just always loved music and it wasn't based on what was popular at the time. It was always based on like what I liked. Yeah. You were, you were very frequently ahead of the curve. I remember multiple conversations where you'd be like, yo, this person's going to pop off soon and I know it. And we were like, no, never. And then like three <laughs> months later, they're on the radio. We're like, how the hell do you always do that? <laughs> well, taking it back, you know, even before some of those predictions, I'll give you an example of what I mean. When I discovered Bob Marley, it really opened my mind to, to reggae music. And you could say, oh, he's mm-hmm. the most you know, the most prolific or the most well-known reggae artist. Mm-hmm. But all it took was me listening to one of his CDs. And I was like, you know what? I love reggae. Reggae is it for life. I, I love it. And then yeah. I started to get more into like Sean Paul and Shaggy. And those, I mean, those songs were, those artists and their songs were popular, but it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily what was like hot at that time. It was like, I was discovering Caribbean music and I'm like, this is what I like. Yeah. And, Similarly, in the hip hop realm, I found this uh, group called the Beat Nuts, and I got their CD. It was when I was in New York. I was with my dad in New York. I bought the bootleg off the street for five dollars. <laughs> hey, the hey real quick, called- let me let me let me sell you the CD. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was called Take It or Squeeze It. That was the name of the CD, okay. and I used to listen to that CD start to finish, like track one, on all the way through the little skits, the off tracks, like not just the single. And I was like, this shit is dope. Like, but no one else in our area was listening to that. That no yeah. one had heard of it. But I was like, this shit is fire. So just like I said, I don't want to go off on a side tangent too far. But th- that was just one example of a CD that I had. And I used to fuck with it heavy, even yeah. though no one else in Freedom had heard of it. Yeah. But fast forward. Freedom wasn't really months. the epicenter of music, though. <laughs> right. It wasn't. We were, we were you know. We weren't in the in the, the what's the word I'm looking for in the know. We weren't really in the thick of it. We weren't in the jugular, you know, where like dope music yeah. was coming from. It wasn't coming out of Bethlehem. It was coming out of other major cities. So yeah. I mean, Allentown and like Phillipsburg had their moments. Uh, Phillipsburg had a bunch of like hardcore bands that popped up for a little while. I guess that that could be true. That that's not the the music that I was into, so I wouldn't really yeah. know about that. But as far as hip hop and reggae, anyway. It, like I said, I don't want to go too far on a tangent, but basically that was always my thing. There was certain yeah. music that I found and I was like, I think this is dope. Even if not everybody else, not my peers and my friends are on the same page as me, I think mm-hmm. it's dope. Yeah. So fast forward and, a few months. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, yeah, I'm like that. that, And I feel like that has influenced you a lot. Just uh, what I know about you, just those two genres of music um, have really worked their way into you as a as a person. And there you can kind of tell that that's like your favorite thing. Oh, yeah. It's my lifeblood, man. So like I said, just fast forwarding just a few months from high school, like literally just right after graduation, I started college. I was going to Temple University in Philly. Shout out to the TU Owls my alma mater. And it was literally right at the beginning of the school year. They had like a welcome to temple block party type thing. Mm -hmm. And there were these people giving out posters. Cause you know, this is back in 04. This is like when physical CDs and posters for your dorm room were still hot. Like that's not really it nowadays, but there was really no social media and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. There was no social media. There was no YouTube. Like, 
the way you yeah. found out about dope music was like from the radio and from CDs. Yeah. Somebody would hand you something and be like, you need to listen to this. And that's, dude, that's exactly what happened. So I was on campus and I, I'm brand new. I don't know anybody. I don't know one thing from another. And I see this, this booth, this table, and they were giving out you know, free like Lloyd Banks posters and like promotional CDs and stuff. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. I was like, Good I'm going to get some of this stuff from my room, you know, from my dorm room. And I'm going to put this stuff on the wall. So I thought there was a catch because I'm like, what do I have to do to get the free posters? They're like, nothing. Like, it's free. You can have it. I was like, really? <laughs> so yeah. I was flabbergasted, man. I was bedazzled that I was able to get free G-Unit posters and CDs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were like, you don't even have to sign up for our mailing list. But if you want to sign up for the mailing list, you know, we're the student radio station and we do events and stuff. And if you want to put your name in your email, you can do it. I was like, you know what? If this means me getting more free posters in the future, Swag I'm going to sign day. up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, let me put my shit down. So I signed up and I didn't actually have any intention of joining anything. So I never thought about doing radio. I didn't think that was something that I could do, but Mm. they started emailing me and they would tell me they had their meetings and they would have events. And the first few times I, I blew it off. I dismissed it. But then eventually I was like, you know what? I want to check out what these people are doing, you know, this radio station. So Mm. I went to the meeting and I kind of got drawn into it because at the time they weren't broadcasting. They were waiting for a new studio to open. Mm-hmm. And I just identified with, I guess, their their motto, which is like they wanted to run diverse programming. They wanted different shows that would represent all different tastes in music and all different people and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, man, I like this. you know. And it's it started to seem within reach. It started to seem like I could have a radio show if I stick to this and learn the ropes. And so to, I guess, condense the story so we don't get too far off just on that, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I started going down into the radio station world, the student radio station world. Mm. And that grew from me just wanting to host a show to me like rising the ranks as other people graduated and new freshmen came in the following year and stuff like that. Yeah. I started being really heavily involved in the events on campus where before I was just showing up i was one of the people mm. in, the, in the crowd it got to be like i was becoming the face of the radio station that so you were like that guy that was at the booth for you but for the future generations the people that were coming in yeah like i was sort of carrying the torch that got passed to me without me even really meaning for that to happen i was just mm-hmm. genuinely purely interested in seeing the station prosper and playing dope music so mm. Like I said, as it went from freshman year into sophomore year, I was meeting DJs and I thought what they were doing was awesome. Like one guy in particular, my boy Q, he's one of my really close friends now. But at the time, I I just met him. DJ Classic spelled with a Q. He would DJ with actual vinyl, which I'd never seen up close and personal. I never saw a DJ like scratching and mixing live with records when I was yeah. in high school. I'd never seen that. I did in a weird way because they weren't kids that did hip hop. Yeah, I mean, I knew vinyl, of course. There were records around my house, and you know, like oh no, like I knew cool, like but... kids that would do that, but they were in like hardcore music. But they would bring like like a switcher and everything to like a party with vinyl and everything. Man, I didn't even think about DJing for different yeah. things. Other, it was than... not actually for the party. He just had it. We would get drunk and we would pretend like we were a band. Oh, <laughs> well, dude, I would bring dope. guitars and stuff and never play them. It's dope how like music transcends all you know 
genre and everything. Oh, yeah. Like, because at the end of the day, you saying that and me identifying with, like, I can just imagine it. I can picture it in my mind. And I'm like, that's so dope, man. Because, like, I never played any instruments. I never was formally trained or, or, you know, educated properly on music. I never studied music. I never played an instrument. But just through loving music and wanting to, like, play music – I got into this student radio station. Somehow mm-hmm. I became like involved in the management of it just as time went on. Nice. And, and simultaneously I was getting more and more interested in, in like becoming a DJ myself, not just a radio host, but yeah. Being able to like scratch the art of like actually DJing. Yeah, dude, because it's an art. There's truly an art and science to it, which I never used to know. And I was like, how does he scratch on beat and create these little patterns and these little rhythms of, of scratching? And how does he put the vocals from this song over this other beat? And it sounds so clean. That's what's I always never amazed me. I was like, how do they do this so well? Yeah, that, that's what drew me in, man. That's what hypnotized me and, and kind of like mesmerized me into wanting to learn. But it was a leap. It was a real like a real big step between me like observing and then mm. me finally taking the plunge and buying equipment. And I hit a lot of resistance, man. Like I didn't yeah. necessarily have support early on, but I, I did it anyway. <laughs> and, and that's not cheap. Like DJ equipment is stupid expensive. Dude, I spent basically everything I had at the time. It was like basically my life savings when I was 19, you know? What's funny is that's really similar <laughs> to how we've been growing the podcast. Yeah. Including yeah. it up to there's a possibility of a thing with the studio that's not open yet. Yeah, (laughs) it's very similar. Yeah, there's a lot of mirroring going on with like kind of what we're doing right now, where we uh, we we really just we went, you know what, this is something we really want to do. We we sunk a lot of money into it because we're like, this is cool. We really like it. It's something that we enjoy. Uh, Now we finally are starting to get recognition and people are starting to approach us in like a professional kind of aspect. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting kind of how it mirrors it. That's funny, man. Maybe it was meant to be. Maybe it was yeah. meant, it was meant to be that you heard the story. Because as long as I've known you, man, as long as I've known you since high school, uh, I, I don't know that we've ever had this conversation. I don't know if I ever told you about all that stuff before. Nah, not nah, like you like glazed over it because I, I I remember when I first found out that you were DJing, I went, "How the hell did you start DJing?" You're like radio, man, and that was kind of it. Like we we we, <laughs> we kind of just we kind of just branched off from there into like uh, you know just like how you been, what you've been up to, things like that. But yeah, we never really right, went right, into right. it. Yeah, well, that's pretty much the story of how it started. Um, the student radio station led me to DJs and being around those other DJs. For example, Q and another guy, Big Lex. DJ mm. Big Lex out of Jersey is one of my other friends and my main early influences. Those yeah. guys just kind of showed me the ropes and sort of like took me under their wing. I observed and I had to put in my own like blood and sweat and tears to it. But I was able to learn from people that really knew what they were doing. That's good. That's it's it's good to have that uh the you know like the teachers, especially if it's like your peers, it, it's easier to kind of listen to them and then you know you just kind of run from it with you know from there. Yeah, and what's really wild about it all too is that looking back, right? I couldn't have told you this at the time or even during college at all. But looking yeah. back, I remember thinking to myself when I was about 18 and I I would see these guys DJ parties. I thought, yo, that's so dope, but I'm way too late. Like, I wish I had known about oh, this Oh, like sooner. you were too old to kind of yeah, like, get, to get into it? Yeah, like I was too old. Like I'm already in college and these guys are already so established and they're only a 
you know, a couple of years older than me. Damn it. You thought that at 18? That's how it felt, dude. It like, honest to God, it was like, man, I would love to be able to do that, but I could never get to that point. Wait, you never had that? Like when I was like a teenager and I was trying to get into music and stuff with my friends, I was like, most of these people have been playing guitar since they were like babies. That's how I felt. That's how I, I felt. Yeah. I think you just don't do things. I don't like, do there's things. There's no way to That's catch up. But the, yeah, I guess the moral of that story is that even though I felt that way initially, if you believe in yourself and you say like, no matter what, I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to put in the work. I'm not going to take shortcuts. I'm willing to put in the work and, and just by any means necessary, like pursue my passion. Yeah. Ultimately, you can surprise yourself and say like, wow, I, I did catch up and I did make something out of it. That's a, that's an extremely good message. I mean, even even for you know me in my my thirties, it's you know due to the fact that we, you know we are going through something similar right now. Um, like you know you've you've known me for years. You know that like I I'm I'm a man of lofty dreams and not much follow through. <laughs> <laughs> so like, why do you say you it know, like that, man? <laughs> the history, I think <laughs> there's there's enough uh, there's enough you know like historical evidence to prove that I have a lot of ideas that don't really ever go anywhere because I never oh. do anything with them. I mean, I hear you, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's timing, bro. Sometimes you may have come up with a bunch of ideas that, for one reason or another, may not have gone the way you wanted. But when the yeah. timing is right and the you know the the planets align, the stars align, it, it can happen, man. It's also mostly me. Because <laughs> is that edited yet? Is that is that edited yet? Is that yeah? Are you he, done with that yet? Yeah, he kind of just any any time I start falling off, he's 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 right there to just be like, hey hey, you remember how you want to you know succeed in this? You're you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to do the thing that you don't want to do right now. Remember how I spend like twelve hours a day on social media stuff? You should probably just edit that thing for me. <laughs> yeah, and that's true, man. Because like, there's no this is not meant to be uh, advice or anything. It's just my my opinion or my observation. That mm-hmm. there's really no shortcut when it comes to like mastering a craft yeah. because it's almost like there were so many times throughout the years that I thought I've really got a good grip on this now. And then something will come along and show me that, Oh no, there's more to do yet. Oh, there's, there's more, always another door. There's more work to put in. You know, there's no, it's a never ending process of staying fine tuned. It's not, it's not that you do certain things and boom, now you've succeeded. You know, success yeah. is not a stagnant, solidified location. It's something that you're constantly working to improve or stay or remain yeah. at, at the point you want to be. It's like you're, you're constantly chasing success. Like you should not like even even if you're successful, you never should have, you know, fully cemented yourself where you're at where you think you're like i'm done you should never be done you should always be moving forward well dude look at oh go ahead i was gonna say especially in music right now when like entire genres will pop up and disappear in a month well that's what i was gonna say look at some of the biggest artists from back in the day right Mm -hmm. pick anyone you want certain artists throughout the years have been in their prime as hot as they could possibly be and then three years later, you look back and you're like, whatever happened to that guy? Yeah. Or whatever happened to that group? And you realize that at one time they had a number one song. They were probably getting paid buku money to perform. But if they didn't come with a good follow-up single, if they didn't have a solid second album, if they didn't do something to remain relevant and keep putting out good music, they just disappear and like fall, 
fall into the shadows. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. so no matter how big and no matter how hot and no matter how rich somebody gets at one point, if you don't continue to put in the work, if you don't continue to sharpen your blades all the time and learn mm. new things, it, you can easily backslide and just fall off into the shadows, you know, into obscurity. Yeah. I mean, even growing, you know, like, you know, just because you're successful, just because you have a hit record doesn't mean that you can't continue to grow as a professional and maybe do something different and, you know, further diversify what you have. I mean, just look at Will Smith. I mean, Will Smith, you know, great at rapping then you know, crossed over into acting and, did more things than, you know, like producing and then back into, you know, it's, he balanced it out. It's the reason why he's been, you know, on top for as long as he has been. Yeah. Or if you look at uh, certain other people, I'll give you a good example. Another little side story. Remember Mims? This is why I'm mm-hmm. hot. Yeah. This is why yeah. I'm hot. This, he would like for a, a little period of time. It was, a, it was a banger. Yeah. For a little short period of time, that was like a real hit song. Mm-hmm. Before that and after that, you didn't really hear much about Mims. Like before that song came out. I don't think the mainstream audience knew him. And soon after that song kind of ran its course, didn't hear much else from him unless you follow that music specifically. Right. Yeah. But he didn't necessarily fall off because he, he didn't put in the work. What it is is that he was smart about, he used his successful run wisely and strategically Mm. And the reason I say it is he was doing a lot of other stuff. You can look it up, um, you know, on your free time when, when we're off the show. But he had some other business ventures and other things he was doing that his hip-hop success sort of projected and catapulted forward. But yeah. years later, because he came to our radio studio when we were in, in Temple and I was running my show, he actually came through and we had an interview with him when he was in his prime, right? Wow, damn dope. And then... Like I said, after a couple of years, didn't really hear much about him. Fast forward, like, let's see, maybe five years, six years. I don't remember exactly how much longer later, but mm-hmm. I was in Dubai probably in like 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. I was in Dubai at a club with one of my friends and Mims mm-hmm. was like the featured artist that night. He was there. And I came up to him. He was in the VIP and I came over to him and he remembered me because I was like, yo, man, we had the college radio show. Remember you came through? He's like, yeah, bro. And we took oh, a picture shit. together. And it's he lives out that I don't know if he still does, but at the time he was spending a lot of time over there in the Gulf, like in Dubai and Qatar and those places. And he was getting booked like crazy to go make appearances and he was living his life. So even oh, though you shit. didn't, you might not hear about him that much over here, but he used his, his platform or his success to go get a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Like he was smart, man. He was doing his thing. Damn. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because the, this was actually where I was going to segue. I was going to go into, you know, because you've met so many people through doing this and uh, you've been to so many places. Um, who are some of the people that you've met that you're just like, if, if high school, you could have seen, you know, you just a couple years later, you'd have been like, I can't fucking believe that you met these people. I, uh, you know what? That's probably a two part thought and, mm. and I'll, I'll give you both angles yeah go for it so the earlier reaction like the me at college me from my high school self seeing my college self mm-hmm. i probably would have been like whoa how you know how did you meet you know the artists and how did you get backstage and whatever you know because mm. i was younger yeah so i probably would have been 
impressed by myself and just been like, how did I do that? Yeah. But looking back now, like all these years later, I realized that that's because I was still kind of green. I was still Mm -hmm. a little bit naive, even when I was doing it, even when I was in college and I was, you know, going to these things and doing these things with these artists, I was still sort of like a fan of the music and I wasn't deeply experienced in the music industry. Yeah. Because nowadays, and this is not me trying to sound cool. This is the honest to God truth. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I'll hear that there's an event with some artist, and, you know, I'm invited and I know I'm going to be fine. Like I can get in and get the the VIP situation and everything. And I still won't go. Like I'm just not even in the mood (laughs) (laughs) because you start to realize it's a bunch of bullshit, man. Like, yeah, as time goes on, you're like, I don't want to be bothered with this fake ass, you know, situation that that comes along with it. It's not even about the music. It's all about the, the business behind it. Yeah. And I'm just like, eh, whatever, you know, like, but that's because after many years of doing it, you just start to feel like, okay, it's rinse and repeat. It's rinse yeah. and repeat. It's cookie cutter. It's um, old news at that point. Yeah. But back in, if we were talking about my high school self, looking at my college self, I still would have probably been fascinated at like, well, whoa, just, just two years ago, you were sitting in class in freedom. What are you doing with Lady Gaga right now? You know? Yeah. Wait, you you met Lady Gaga? Oh yeah. What the fu- I didn't yeah. even know that. When Poker Face was in its prime at that. Like holy cause, shit. Cause, you know, Lady Gaga is not really that hot right now. She's still famous, yeah. but she's not like the hot artist of the moment. Yeah. She's but, she's not, you know, on the radio every time you turn it on. Yeah, but at the oh, time when when dance uh, just dance and Poker Face was like in its absolute number one like height. Height. That's when, and it was in a, it was a concert at the Electric Factory in Philly. So, Jeez. I had to run the line of radio winners, like these people that won like a contest or some shit online, right, or on the mm-hmm. radio. There was a line of maybe fifty people, hundred people that were winners that got to meet her and, and like get their CD signed or whatever it was, right? Yeah. So I had went to the concert. It was actually a great show. She's a wonderful performer, even though I'm not into pop music so much. Yeah. I got to give Lady Gaga all the credit in the world. She's very talented. She seems like she puts on a good show. It's a, yeah, wardrobe changes and special effects and all kinds of crazy shit. Like it's Sparks a really, and fire and shit. Yeah, really, really, really awesome concert. So after it was over, I'm backstage basically like managing all these people as they all came or came around to take a picture and see her. Mm-hmm. So the whole time I'm standing like five feet from her, but I'm not doing anything myself i'm just doing what i'm supposed to be doing yeah and when it was all focused on your job yeah because that's how it gets man like it gets like you're not there for that you're there to work so yeah but at the end of it because i did at the time still feel like she's a dope artist and i want to meet her after all the winners were finished i just walked over to her and i was like hey i'm the college rep from universal music i was working over there but i just thought your uh your performance was dope and she's like, why did you wait? You're a fan. And she like pulls me in and took a picture. It was dope. Oh, geez. It was, it was like, she's like real laid, laid back sort of, I don't know, attitude. Even though all these people were there like fawning over her. She was very cool, very mm. relaxed. And she was just like, why did you wait? You should have came up to me sooner. You're family, bro. Like or whatever <laughs> she said. And we took this picture. And this was in 09. And I remember yeah. putting it on Facebook because at the time I still would go on Facebook a lot. And people mm. were just like 
what the fuck? Even Miss Wesco, um, who is my Facebook friend. The, yeah. For anyone who's listening out there who doesn't know, Miss Wesco was our a teacher at Freedom, but she was the leader of the theater company. Yeah, she was our director, and uh, so, she she put together all the plays that we were in. Yeah, so Jared and I, one of the one of the many memories that we share from high school is uh, acting in West Side Story as as extra yeah. gang members <laughs> in the Sharks. <laughs> yep. And so Miss Wesco, even though she was my teacher in high school, she over the years became my friend through Facebook, and as I got to be an adult. Yeah, and she saw that picture of Lady Gaga. She was like, "What the fuck is going on? Like, how did?" Because <laughs> let me just put something in context. These days, I don't think pictures mean anything anymore. Yeah, that's my honest opinion. Because the way social media has become, it doesn't really mean much the way True. it used to. Because before social media and before camera phones and selfies, I mean, yeah, there were camera phones, but before everyone had an iPhone and took selfies, yeah. in order to be anywhere close to an artist, you had to have pull, like you had to have credentials to even yeah. be close enough to have your camera there and get a photo. Mm. Like it really, really meant something. You had to have the juice back then, but yeah. nowadays it doesn't really mean that, you know? I also think that a lot of like... Uh... A lot, a lot of, you know, especially pictures and things like that, everything is like engineered to be the best for, you know, improving people's image. And it's just kind of what everyone's doing now. Yeah. So like, it's like, yeah. oh, you, you, like, I was with this person. Yeah. Well, that person was also with a thousand other people right before you that are all making it seem like whatever you're saying it is. And it, it doesn't really capture like, I, you know, real life interactions anymore. Are you saying that your Instagram personality is not the same as your real life? <laughs> You mean my five pictures? My five pictures aren't the same as my real life? Sorry. The little blonde suburban ladies. It's the life. She has a super happy family and her husband definitely doesn't drink all night. Dude, the white woman's Instagram. Listen, it's so funny that you guys are saying this because this is honestly the reason that I've gotten a lot quieter in the past few years. That It got to be like, I don't want to try to conform or show off or follow the you know the necessary marketing things that everybody else is doing to manicure their photos perfectly and show this life that's probably not their real life yeah i'd rather just i don't want to when say i learned quiet, that they're totally, curating but. instagram i lost my mind <laughs> it's just yeah it's it's like everything is perfectly manicured and people size you up or try to judge you based on what they think you can do for them yeah and one thing it's i've noticed what the algorithm can do Oh yeah, as well. That people, too. Yeah, people living their lives to please a computer program at this point. Yeah, and I just I can't get down with that, man. Like I still post my certain things on Instagram to promote events I'm doing sometimes, but in general, yeah. I've just gotten to be a lot quieter and just to myself. Like I do what I do, and you know, if you know me or you see me around, cool. If not, I'm not trying to prove any points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, strive to get to that point of just, you know, being like, you know, what, life is life. I'm just going to I'm just going to live it. Yeah, because certain things, you know, it's, it's just becomes all about clout. And I don't really want to be a part of that rat race. Yeah. So that's why I now, haven't I, been as interesting lately. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I, I when I when I said that I was reaching out to you, I was like, I don't know if he's going to see this because I haven't seen him on social media in months. Yeah, I've been pretty boring, man. I've I've been living a, a quiet life. Not I to mean, say a pandemic right now. So, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't that doesn't really help. Now I will say, uh, you 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 said that you know meeting Lady Gaga was it, it seemed like a pretty positive, um, you know, meet. 
Um, have you ever met, have you met with someone that you're like, this person, you know, seems like they'd be cool. And they were just like a complete asshole. I'm assuming that's happened a lot, but like, is there anyone that like jumps out at your head? You know what? It has, it has happened, but I'm going to choose respectfully not to, <laughs> not to speak bad on anybody because again, with time I've learned that you never know. It could have been external factors. It might not have been yeah, like the person like a bad that, day. Yeah, it could. You know, for example, there's one artist that I remember that was real rude to the, me and the DJs that were there. I'm not going to, you know, name drop or talk bad about this person, but I remember being really upset at the time. Like, yo, what the fuck? You know, we're there to support this artist. And, you know, how's yeah. he going to, how's he going to do that to us? But looking back, it could have been a lot of things that had nothing to do with the DJs. It could have been his management. It could have been whoever was hosting them at the club didn't provide him the right hospitality. You know, like there's a lot of things that, it, it probably wasn't personal, even if I took yeah. it took it personal at the time. So I'll gladly say which artists I think are are amazing and dope in real life, but I'll, I'll skip name dropping people who I thought were assholes. <laughs> that's that's classy. That's classy. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean there is there is always outside factor, especially if it was during like a tour. Uh, touring is just stressful in general. Just that constant travel and mm-hmm. constantly being inundated by people. It, you, people are rarely going to catch you at your best. There's yeah, got to be sure. some of them where it was pure ego, though. It, it might might as well. It, there might very well be. There's a point where you get to like a certain level, and you're just like, I am God. I mean, look at Kanye. <laughs> I mean, it could <laughs> be. He has a cult. It could be, but you know, like I said, I, I've learned. Maybe it's just because I'm older, and with with age comes, you know, more experience. Wisdom. But, well, wisdom comes from bad judgment, which I've had plenty of. But <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that. I've learned just not to take things at face value and say, all right, I don't really know what's going on. I don't know what the the cause of this is. So let me not talk bad. Let me not say anything negative. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll quickly pivot. So I want to go into, cause I know, like I know some of the background, but uh, I know that you are a huge lover of travel. We, we, we mentioned that and you (laughs) mentioned Dubai. How, so where did you go from? Cause I know you went from the radio to DJ and you're doing like parties, you're doing events, you're doing things like that. How did you get to the traveling? How did that happen? Okay. So uh, again, to come back to the theme of like things that seem impossible or out of reach, but if you, mm. but if you spend enough time pursuing your goals or, and taking risks, sometimes it becomes within reach. The same thing I described about becoming a DJ Traveling was like phase two of that because yeah, I don't come from a family that that travels. Like my parents were not, you know, traveling UN people or like people with extensive travel experience. I mean, other than a couple yeah. family vacations here and there, like we never went anywhere. Yeah. So I had no support system or blueprint to learn from. I just thought traveling was like super dope. Like I was like, yo, going to other countries and mm-hmm. like partying in different cities. Like how cool would that be and trying different stuff? So yeah. uh, to try to stay on point with my answer, basically in Temple University, which was still during college, was when I took my first trips that were like worth writing home about. Mm-hmm. So Temple at the time, again, shout out to my college. They were awesome. They had this program where you could go study in Italy, right? Yeah. And it was Italy's basically, dope. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was like, that was on my bucket list at the time. Like, oh, I'll go to Italy and eat pasta and pizza in Italy. How dope would that be? So yeah, when the opportunity came along that, you know, you could do a semester 
in in Italy and you'd get credit for what you needed to graduate, but you just do the classes in their Rome campus. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, I'm going out on a limb here because I've never been to Europe, but shit, this could be the trip of a lifetime. So yeah, I, I never know it. if you're going to have another one. Right. So at the time, I thought this was it. This is the biggest trip I'm ever going to take. <laughs> who who yeah. knew, right? But yeah, <laughs> knowing what uh, I know now, it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Looking back, it's funny. But again, there's lessons to be learned from all this. So I, I did it. I did a summer session because that was a little less expensive and less time to go. Mm. I lived in Rome. They give you like a little apartment near near the campus. Yeah. And I took a couple classes and it was dope. It was cool. And I got really immersed into Italy and like learning Italian culture and trying foods and stuff. But then where it ties back together with DJing, which is why I wanted to make this point. Mm-hmm. I thought even though I'm all the way here in Italy and it's fun. I never imagined I could DJ in Italy. I'm like, I'm some kid from Pennsylvania. Like, I have yeah. no business DJing in Italy, right? Like, who's going to take me seriously? <laughs> yeah, I was a college kid, man, from, from Pennsylvania, of all places. So yeah, I this girl that I knew over there on my program, because all the American girls that were on the, the study abroad program, a lot of the Italian guys were like fawning over them. Like, oh, I love you. You are my wife. You are my girlfriend. <laughs> and they're like, no. I will take you to meet my mother. We we make kiss. It's okay. And they're like, no, it's not okay. Like, you're a grown man in Italy. Like, I'm a jeez. Oh, so this is what the American girls were dealing with, all these like oozy woozy Italian guys. So one yeah. of the girls I was friends with, she had become cool with one of the Italian dudes, some local guy from Rome. And he was like, Oh, if your friend is a DJ, like I know a DJ at a club. So I'm like, this seems crazy, but I'm going to try it anyway. So I talked to the yeah. guy. It was like a friend of a friend of a friend type thing. Yeah. So I, I talked like, I'm going to shoot my shot. Yeah. Shoot my shot before that was a term, you know, before that was a thing. So yeah. I talked to the guy and he's Italian, but he, he used to live in New York. He's like an American Italian that mm, just yeah. went, went back over to Italy to live. So he knew like he spoke English and he knew what was up and we had like a full real conversation and he was like, yeah, well, I mean, I DJ every night or every week at this particular club. If you're down to do a set, he's like, I can't pay you much, but like, I'll, we'll make it fun. If you want yeah. to do a set and invite all your friends, I was like, hell yeah. So we planned it and I DJed Hip Hop Mondays at Bloom Nightclub in Rome, Italy, in one of these plazas. And literally everyone from the study abroad program came, dude, I had dozens and dozens of people like flooding in and we partied all night it was so dope but again i thought that that's it like i did it once it's the thing of a lifetime but that's it right yeah this is something to write down in your journal be like i dj'd in italy yeah that was my highest point of achievement at that time i was like this it gets no better than this but then i go back to philly i continue to dj i continue to study I graduate 2009, right? And then I kind of thought DJing would have to come to an end because I didn't believe that that could be a career. I just, I thought you had to be some celebrity or some like really established guy that was educated in music theory to be a professional DJ. Yeah. Had to be DJ Scribbles. Yeah. I thought, yeah, if you're not on MTV or BET or if you're not like some guy that's on the radio, that it's just not possible. Yeah. So... I didn't really know what I was getting into after graduation, but I was offered a job doing marketing for Universal Music Group. So I was still in the music industry, but from the marketing side, not the performing side. Yeah. 
And that was the group that you were with in college, right? Like they, you kind of like worked with them a little bit. Yeah. As a college student, I worked for Universal Music promoting their, their albums. But you had to be a college student to have that position. And I was the only one in Philly. It was really cool. I had like a lot of swag because of that. Um, yeah. You were like their go-to college guy. Yeah. I, worked, I was on payroll. I worked for Universal. I was getting a check from the music industry even when I was like 19 or Wait, 20 like, or whatever. Like Universal Studios? Like the actual, like that one? Or like this separate from that? Universal Music Group. U- Universal Music Group yeah. Distribution. They have Def Jam, Interscope. It's like the... Okay. It's a big one. Yeah. The distribution of all those labels. Uh, there's a lot of labels under their umbrella, but Universal is the parent company. So they're the Disney of music. Well, you know, I mean, everyone's heard of Def Jam, everyone's heard of Interscope, but they're yeah. they're a part of the Universal music oh, I wasn't, family. I yeah. wasn't saying like name recognition. I was saying like how Disney technically owns like every movie production company. Yeah, yeah, but well, there there are competitors. You know, you have like at least at the time there was Atlantic and there was Sony Urban and you know different yeah. other ones. But I was working for Universal and. Again, this is all college stuff. I interned at Wired 96.5 when I was like 18 or 19. And mm-hmm. I was working for Universal when I was like 20. But then I graduated and I thought all this stuff was like, that done. was fun, but it was done with. Yeah. But like, then, time to get a real job now. Right, dude. And it's Exactly. And Universal actually offered me that real full-time job. But the catch was I had to move to Miami. They were like, the job is Which, in Miami. It's like, oh, what a terrible punishment. I got to move to a gorgeous city full of gorgeous people. Dude, you know what the funniest part was? I had just got back from spring break. It was my first time ever in Miami in my life. Mm-hmm. It was maybe a month before I had that interview. And so my, my boss at the time calls me up. His name was Brad. And Brad calls me. It's like maybe 9 p.m. over here. But it was like 6 p.m. in Cali where he was. Yeah. So I'd been with my friends getting lit. It was like a Friday night. We were getting drunk. And I get this call from Brad. That's my boss. And I'm like, why is Brad calling me right now? And I was lit, bro. I was pretty, pretty tipsy. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to take this call. So I, I go outside of the house and I answer the phone and Brad's like, hey, man, what's up? You have a minute to chat? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, so nothing formal, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. Just want to know, how would you feel about Miami? How would you feel about a job in Miami? And dude, imagine drunk Andy on the phone getting an inf- oh. an informal job offer. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Miami. I love Miami. Oh my god! And Brad is like, Wow, bro, I love your enthusiasm. You're so passionate. I'm like, Yeah, man. Whatever it takes. Whatever you need. I love it. And he's just like, Wow, what a great attitude. You know, I was wasted, man. Like I was completely yeah. drunk. And uh, drunk Andy's always a fun Andy. <laughs> anyway, I got the job, so I guess it worked. <laughs> but. <laughs> So I moved nothing down to like, Miami. Like, nothing like choosing to move the wall drunk. You're like, I'll definitely relocate my whole life. Yeah, <laughs> I had you're, no, still, you're like, how do I do this? I had no qualms about it. I had no hesitation. I'm like, absolutely. Whatever, bro. Let's go to Miami, bro. Like, that's how I was on the phone. And he was just like, great. So then a little while later, I got a formal offer that said, you know, this is your, what salary we can offer you and benefits. And you just have to relocate to Miami, which is on you to go find an apartment. But once you get there, you'll start this date. Oh wow! They didn't. So, they didn't. They didn't pay to move you. No, technically, I wasn't being promoted. I was being hired as a full time employee oh, for the okay. first time. Yeah, so it was yeah. on me, but that's all right because I had to do something anyway. Like I was leaving yeah. Philly regardless when school. Finished. And you made it work. So I mean, it all it all worked out in the end. Yeah. So I got down to Miami and I started working, but through being in Miami, like you know, you just 
start to, I don't know, take on new ideas, new goals, new visions. Cause I wasn't in Pennsylvania anymore. Yeah. And I kind of yearned to travel. I kind of wanted to travel cause I had met all these cool people from like other countries and islands and stuff like this. Miami's very international, very diverse. Yeah. Miami's a, a worldwide vacation spot. Yeah. But even the people that live here, it's a melting pot of, of cultures. You know, it's not like, yeah, it's not one homogenous flavor. It's very, very like multicultural, all, all in one place. Yeah. But I wanted to make my way down there. <laughs> you do, bro. I've been telling you for years, you got to come down. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. You might never go home. You might lose your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think but, it's too close to my ex. I, I, I'd, I'd probably leave just strictly off of that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. So I was working for Universal and I wanted to travel, but I really just couldn't because I was in the grind. You know, I'm, you're in the in the rat race, if you will. Yeah. Even though even, was, even in the music industry, it's still it's still a job. Like you're still just doing your job. Exactly. Like even though it was a music industry job and I was getting paid from Universal Music to do, you know, Rick Ross album release parties and stuff like and that's the kind of stuff I was paid to do. But I still had work to do. I had to write reports and take photos and be on yeah. conference calls. I couldn't just get up and travel all willy nilly. I had bills to pay. Yeah. Uh, and you probably didn't. They probably had plenty of people. So it's not like you would get a travel for that stuff. They'd be like, no, nah, that's the Miami guy. We have a guy in Chicago to go to that party. Yeah, I was in my market. And they would say, oh, drive to Orlando or drive to Tampa. And I would have to do that. But I didn't. I couldn't just go vacation all freely, you know? Yeah, that's not that's not traveling. That's just driving for your job. Yeah, that's doing work. That's that's me being yeah. on the highway for work. So yeah. anyway, as fate would have it, um, a, like a year and change after I got the job, this was in the height of the recession, mind you, in 2009. Yeah. So it was amazing that I even got a job at all because no one was finding jobs back then. Mm. But a year and year and a few months after I started, they laid everybody off. Like my whole department just kind of got downsized. Oh shit. And so I was like, fuck, what am I going to do now? You know? So I'm sitting in, in Florida with no real family or like no real support system. And I mm. thought about it, you know, I, I gave it some thought and I'm like, well, if I go back to Pennsylvania, I don't have a job there either. Yeah. So at least if I stay put, I'm here in my apartment. I, my bills are controlled. Mm-hmm. But if I go back to Pennsylvania, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Yeah. You'd been living at home and there, there's like, you know, barely anything more than warehouse jobs around here. So it's like you would have been stuck. Yeah. I just had yes. no idea what to, what I would do if I left where I was. So I'm like, oh, I'll just stay put and try to make it work. Yeah. So I stayed, this was like end of 2010. And I start looking for DJ gigs because I'm like, well, that's something I know how to do that I can, I can use to make some money in the meantime. But I, I have to yeah. figure out what's going to happen after that. Yeah. So I was scraping, man, for a while. Just, just so you know, I mean, it may look glamorous from the outside, but there were very, very difficult, tough moments. There are some ramen so, noodle nights, like two, multiple of those. Well, yeah, in 2000, I wouldn't even call it ramen noodle nights because I've always been like, you know, somewhat fiscally responsible. But it's more yeah. like being directionless, like not not knowing how you're gonna how you're gonna progress, being sort of like stuck in a rut. Like I had. I was scraping, man. That's the best way I can put it. I was scraping. When I first yeah. got laid off from Universal, I was looking for gigs, scraping off the floor. Like whatever I can find, I, I don't care. Mm. If it's a bar mitzvah, yeah. if it's a bar, a happy hour, I don't care. Yeah. You know, pride is not a thing. Ego is not non-existent. Just give You're me, just trying to just pay give me work. Yeah. And so as Especially time went on. Time. Yeah. What's that? Especially not in that time in America. Yeah, because there was you could find anything you could do it. It was just like, yeah, I got that. 
It was tough. I even went to these things. This is a bit of a tangent, but maybe you guys will appreciate this. We're going with it. So because I was laid off as opposed to being fired, I qualified for unemployment. And I had mixed feelings when I I received that qualification because I was sort of brought up to think like, you know, to get to get government benefits is like, like I'm not doing something right. If I'm getting government benefits that I should, I should just be hustling harder to find something else. Mm-hmm. But I started to like assess the situation and I'm like, well, I'm entitled to it. I paid into it. They yeah, take, they you, take it out of your paycheck. Yeah. That's your like, money. You're getting your money back. Like, yeah, let me get it. So part of the requirement in order to receive the unemployment check, which wasn't much just to be clear, it was like $1,100 a month, it barely paid my yeah. rent. You know, yeah. but it was something better than nothing. So in order to get the unemployment check, at least in Florida, it was required that I attended this class about like what you have to do and what your responsibilities are while you're collecting unemployment. Mm-hmm. So I went to the class and it was every kind of person you could imagine, every segment of society, young, old, men, women, educated, not educated, black, white, Latino, you name it. Everybody yeah. you could picture from old guys to people that are fresh out of school, all kinds of people were in this class. And I was like, damn, like this is a picture of the workforce in America right now. Everybody is looking for work, right? Yeah. Everyone's getting laid off. No matter what you were doing, it's a hard time for everybody, right? Yeah. I remember those days. Those are, those are, those are tough times. Dude, it was, it was a directionless, difficult time. And I was thinking, because they were saying, you know, Basically, in order to receive unemployment, you got to be looking for work. And part of the benefits, they offer free training in certain fields. If like you want to take a, a class, they offer certain things for free for you to learn a new skill. Mm-hmm. And I was actually considering this stuff, man. At one point, they were like, oh, you can learn how to be a forklift operator you know, for free. And I was like, should I drive a forklift? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. You know? Yeah. And looking back, I'm like, no, what was I, what was I thinking? But that's the like, mindset. You're like, what the fuck was going through my head at that time? <laughs> right. No diss, no diss to forklift operators. It's just that I was a DJ that had been in the music industry a month ago. It's also just not. And I was you. just thinking, like, like, that's not, that's not what you, that's not who you are. Yeah, I just that's how directionless I was starting to feel. It was like a, a desolate sort of situation. Like, man, no one's hiring for anything. Everyone's looking for work. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm just going to DJ to pass the time. And I I was, like I said, I was scraping, looking for whatever I could find. I did some happy hours at bars that I wasn't really interested in doing. And I did some bar mitzvahs for like low pay, like someone else subcontracted me and I was getting paid less than I should have, but I just took it. I was like, whatever. Right. Mm. And over time I met a woman who booked corporate events through one of my buddies. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I can, uh, I can book you to DJ at the mall. So I was like, okay. So I started DJing at the mall and yeah. after getting good. That's something you can't do now. Oh no, I've, st- I've still been doing it, but it was for a while. There's still malls. Oh, in Florida. I they were all closed now. <laughs> ah, man. Miami's still popping. You, you got to come down and see. There's still a line, you know, three blocks long to get in the Gucci store. It's Miami. <laughs> Miami's a different world, man. <laughs> yeah. We would love to be down like, in Miami. Malls don't exist up here anymore. Oh no, you got to see some of these malls, man. This, we're not talking about the Westgate. This is like some real, <laughs> real crazy stuff going on up here. But yeah, through, through doing the corporate gigs, that's what I, I refer to them, corporate retail gigs. Yeah. That lady was like, oh, all the feedback, all the feedback I've been getting from the clients about you is, is really good. How do you feel about doing a cruise? And I never even had been on a cruise before. Yeah. I had never 
even been on vacation on a cruise. Yeah. So I had no idea what I was getting into, but I needed the money and it sounded fun. So I was like, okay, sign me up. Yeah. You're like DJ on the water. Dude. And that was the beginning of the traveling career that I did. I did a cruise. The first, the very first one was from Boston to Bermuda on the door, mm-hmm. the Norwegian Dawn. Norwegian Cruise Line had a cruise ship called the Dawn. Seven days to Bermuda and back. I did that for mm-hmm. four weeks in a row, like for a month total. Yeah. And dude, we were like on the beach in Bermuda getting wasted and like, <laughs> you know, eating shrimp and chicken wings every day. I'm like, yo, this, this is great. Like, I love this. Yeah. Cause you have access to the same food that, you know, the people on vacation do, right? Oh yeah. I was a guest entertainer. So like I could go in the crew areas and hang out with the chicks and the crew, but also I could be with the guests and have dinner with, you know, the regular food with everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So Best that was of both it. worlds. That was my first dose of like travel. And ever since then, I've been a full, full blown addict. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well with that, what, what was, what's your favorite place that you've been? Oh man, it's, it's impossible to pick just one. I would say that I have a few favorites for, for different reasons. Okay. Give us your top three. That'll be a little bit easier. In no yeah. particular order. Like I'm, I'm not going to make you pick which one is your number one, but you're like your favorite three places. Yeah. So just to be clear, and this is the beauty of traveling. This is why I encourage everyone to travel because you never really realize, you never really know what's out there until you go experience it. So yeah. you, you don't know what you're missing until you start like opening your horizons to, to new places. Right. So yeah. I would say I have a special, very, very special place in my heart for Jamaica because mm. Jamaica is where Bob Marley's from. It's where a lot of my favorite artists and the music that I love came from. But yeah, then when you actually go there and you realize it's not, it's not always what you think it is. Yeah. It's actually better. Right. Because oh. what people will tell you, and this is what I would tell you, having been there countless times, if you stay in the resort, it's going to feel like paradise and it is, and there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. But when you see the rest of Jamaica, you'll realize it's a far cry from how the resort is like fortressed in. Yeah. And some people would tell you that that's scary or it's dangerous. I would tell you the exact opposite. I think that's what makes Jamaica amazing is how real it is, how how loving and fun and dope the culture is. Yeah. Like, like yeah, enjoy the resort if you want to go down and hang out at the pool and play golf and stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But definitely see the real Jamaica also with an open mind because the hospitality and the culture and the, and the, the mentality is just amazing, man. Yeah. That's well, kind of funny because actually knowing some of the history of Bob Marley, I I was aware of how Jamaica really is because he may or may not have led a small group of people to maybe maybe murder somebody. I don't know about that. Thing. That that I can't speak on, man. You know, but That's, he 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 also hosts a true crime podcast. So I it, mean, it's not it yeah. wasn't so much that it was there's like a lot to it, but like I forget what was going on, but like I'm pretty sure that guy died and Bob Marley may have been the guy that made the call. <laughs> Look, you know, things happen sometimes, I guess. But it's it's real. That's what it is. It's real. All I would he say is he did a concert with a bullet in him. I'm pretty sure, or he was stabbed. One of the two. He was either just shot. No, he was shot. Yeah, he got shot and then like bandaged it up and went and did a show. That's dope. That sounds about right. Like yeah, badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's extremely badass. And things were tumultuous back then. You know, like politically, Jamaica was really violent back in the 70s. So like, yeah, he was a a product of his environment if that he was a victim of whatever else was going on you know but yeah well, he was also like a symbol for a lot of people he became that way yeah because he pushed yeah he pushed his music and now it's 
I don't want to call Bob Marley's music like oversimplified, but when you think of it now, it feels safe. It feels friendly. It feels like, oh, if Bob Marley's on, you know, you sip a margarita and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you picture, you know, a bunch of white people sitting around with tiki torches, just right. drinking, drinking Coronas. And they'd be like, we're so, we're, we're so diverse now. Right. But if you actually listen to some of his music and you really like dig into the lyrics, he was advocating for, you know, the Rastafarians. He was advocating for like, you know, uniting African people. I mean, it wasn't all cozy, dozy little like margarita music. Some of it was a little bit militant and conscious, which I think is a good thing because it was ahead of its time. Yeah. It wasn't Jimmy Buffett. It was, it had substance. And he did have fun music too, but I shot the sheriff. If you listen to the lyrics of it, it's not about shooting the sheriff. It's about the, the backstory. Yeah. Very deep. Very, 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 very thought-provoking, man. Like, yeah. I Shot the Sheriff is one of his most famous songs that people know, but he's saying, you know, Sheriff John Brown always hated me. For what? I don't know. Every time yeah. I plant a seed, he say, kill them before they grow. Meaning, like, planting a seed of thought or inspiring yeah. the people to rise up and question the system. And You know, it's like there's a lot of really conscious, really thought-provoking music that he has. Yeah. So anyway, I don't want to go too far off on Jamaica. It's just that some of my closest friends, some of my favorite artists, some of my favorite food all originates out of Jamaica. And it's just such an awesome place that even though the resorts are cool and I I recommend the resorts too, but I, I tell everybody that I speak to anyone that will listen, I tell them, go to Jamaica, enjoy your hotel also, but make sure to do some things off the resort. Make sure to go see what's happening, you know, in the community because it's a, it's a whole different experience. And that's just good advice for most places that you go. Most people don't do that. Yeah, but Jamaica in specific, it's built in a way, the resorts are created in a way where it's kind of fortressed in, mm. which is, I mean, I understand. It's for the protection of, you know. Protection of the guest. Yeah, but at the same time, you're free to take a taxi to something else and go do what you like. And I yeah. recommend to everybody, like, go do something off the resort. Go, you know, spend some time and see what's happening, you know, in the local area. Buy some jerk yeah. chicken from some do it on the on the side of the road cooking it on a grill like go <laughs> yeah. do stuff like that because that's what the real culture is go drink a re- uh, red stripe you know with some some dudes you know and like yeah. sit on the beach yeah well you should be supporting the local community and not just like the corporate exactly. american group that's just exactly advantage of them yeah definitely so jamaica's number one on your top three i mean like, yeah. once again this is just your the first one on your top three yeah definitely jamaica um okay now, if I were to pick somewhere in Europe, just to diversify my list here and not stay gotcha. all in the Caribbean, yeah, I also have a real soft spot for Italy because I think being a food lover, I think it's very, very, very amazing Italian yeah. food. Like you can order the same things there that you would think to order here. Like you order a pizza or you order pasta or whatever, right? But yeah. the way it's prepared. It's just extremely fresh and and a little bit it's different. Better. Yeah, <laughs> it's different. Like As the time that I spent there, it, it, the the food was better. It was just better in every way. Yeah, Italian food is so amazing. And then again, just like most countries, depending where you go, you'll see different things. If you go into Milan, it's like a city that's like New York. If you go mm. to Rome, it's a big city, but there's a lot of history there, like the Vatican and everything yeah. is there. And then if you go to some of the small islands or on the on the coast. You know, you get the beach, you get like 
it's just everything, man. Like Italy, swimming in the Mediterranean is definitely different. Yeah, Italy is. <laughs> it's it's nice. Dope. It's very nice. And then if I have to pick a third, like I said, it's very very difficult to narrow down because every country I could say good things about every place. Yeah, um, but one that I think was uh, how can I put this? One that I think was surprising. Okay. Was Ethiopia. All right. Which is East Africa for, for anyone who, who doesn't have a good grip on geography. It's in Africa, but it's on the far east, like almost near Egypt and like the Middle East, like at that side. Mm-hmm. And it's very different than other parts of the continent. Like the food is very different. The, the language and the way that people look is kind of unique. Mm-hmm. And I went there with one of my friends. We were on like a crazy traveling binge. My friend Antonio and I, we went to Dubai. We like went to the club, partied, and then we did a little East Africa yeah. rendezvous. So we go to Ethiopia, not knowing what to expect, just knowing that we're going to have a, a good time. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that the hospitality was just like next level, the food is amazing. They, there's this thing called injera. That's the name of it. It's like a giant mm-hmm. spongy thing that they put the meats and the vegetables on in different arrangements. Okay. And then you actually tear off little pieces of the, of the spongy bread stuff, the injera, and you eat, you know, the different things that are on the platter with it. Okay. So that is your silverware, basically like the bread, the spongy stuff is what you eat with. You don't need a separate fork and knife. And it absorbs all the flavors because it's this – dude, when I tell you Ethiopian food is next level. Okay. So I don't know if – even if you never get a chance to go to Ethiopia itself because it's kind of far away. But if you ever get an Ethiopian restaurant in Philly or New York or D.C. or something, Mm -hmm. absolutely, you got to try. Give it a try. Okay. I'm I'm, going to definitely try that out. I do want to ask, where have you just been like – where have you gone where you're just like, the women here are the best. They're just gorgeous. <laughs> okay, this is a, a an answer that I'm going to get some backlash for. It's going to be controversial, okay. but I'm going to say it anyway. We love controversy. Personally, having been to more than 80 different countries, 8-0. Not 18, Jeez, but Jesus. 80. <laughs> so I have a lot to compare. But I think in the entire world, the Dominican Republic has the most amazing variety of beauty. Okay. I'm not saying this to objectify anybody because <laughs> obviously like, you know, each individual woman is her own person and everyone's unique. Yeah. But overall, if we were to paint it with a broad brush of like every place that I've ever been, I think Dominican Republic has a little bit of it all. You hear that, DR? You win. <laughs> Republica. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, where did I, you go with the biggest culture shock? Oh, that's actually a really good one. What's that? Where did you go that gave you like the biggest culture shock? Oh, like which country? Yeah. Let's like see. You got there and you're like, what the fuck? Okay. I'm going to say, and this is uh, not to say it was a shock because I didn't know what to expect, but the place that was the most far flung that was really like insane to me. Is a little island called Sao Tome. It's spelled S A O space T O M E, Sao Tome. And it's a former Portuguese colony. Like it's an independent country now, but 
Mm-hmm. It's a little island. The name is Portuguese because it used to be a, a, one of Portugal's colonies. And it's off the coast of Africa. So it's not on the continent, but it's like in that part of the world. Dude, when we got there, and I tell you, Jurassic Park in real life, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating, man. It's like the jungle. Oh, book. Kyle just showed me a picture. Holy crap. It's like the jungle book. When I got there, That's it's crazy. like, there's a little town. We stayed in the, in a town. That's somewhat developed, but the rest of the island is like just people fishing and like drinking palm wine all day. It's like totally just the jungle book. And culturally, it was kind of like going to Mars because we got there and, you know, a quick little story about on arrival. Mm-hmm. The two people I was traveling with, one also had an American passport like me and the other person had a Ghanaian passport from Ghana. So mm-hmm. – the American passports were able to go in with no fee. The guy with the Ghana passport, they said you have to pay a 20 euro entry fee, like from that's their, uh, the price, right? Yeah. That's their, you're not American fee. Well, certainly. Yeah. I think European passports and American passports, there's no fee. And then other countries, there's a set fee. Mm. So whatever. It's just like part I've of I've never heard that before. That's crazy. Well, even the United States has it. If you're coming from somewhere else, there's like, some countries are allowed with no no paperwork. Some you have to apply in advance and pay a fee. So every country has its own things. Okay. And it's just that in our group, the two of us, including me, had American passports. The other guy, he had a, a Ghana passport. So they were like, you have to pay 20 euros and then you can go in. But we're like, okay, but we're not from Europe. So we don't have euros. We have American dollars. So I had a US $100 bill. I'm like, you know, I can pay with this, but I don't have euros. And they're like, well, what's that? Where's this from? I'm like, United States of America. They're like, what? I don't know. And I'm like, what? You don't know. Like, like you don't know about America. And they're like, uh, I don't know about like, this. This could be fake. And I'm like, it's from the same place that my passport's from. <laughs> yeah. But they were looking at the money. Like, I don't know about this. We need euros. And I'm like, are you wow. serious? And they were like, yeah. So we're going back and forth. I'm like, look, we're not from Europe. We don't have euros. I, I can give you this and you can give me change in the local currency or in, Whatever you want, but this is what we have. If we're from America, we have American dollars. And yeah. they're like, no, we can't do that. I'm like, all right, fine. Well, where's the exchange window? I'll go convert the money. Like, oh, we don't have one. And I'm like, all right, well, where's the ATM? I'll go withdraw some money. Oh, we don't have one. I'm like, okay, can I use my credit card? No, we don't take credit. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what are we <laughs> supposed to like, do? Your can't come. So, yeah. yeah, it was almost like they were like, no, he can't come into this country. It's like, Pay 20 euros, but there's no other way for you to pay. So we're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And finally, this guy that was in line behind us was like, enough. He's like, I will pay the 20 euros. Just go. Like <laughs> like some dude from Portugal was like, you know, he had euros. He's like, enough of this. Like, yeah. here's the 20 euros. Just keep it moving. Like, I'm tired, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I got places to be. Why are you holding <sighs> me up? So and when we got there, dude, that place is like. I mean, it's super friendly and super amazing, especially if you like scuba diving and snorkeling. It's un- unreal what they have there. Yeah. But it's just like so undeveloped and like off the grid. Just different. Just it, It's the, the complete opposite of what you think when you think of or when you're coming from America. It seems like it's just a whole other world at that point. Yeah. It felt like I landed on Mars, man. Like for real, like culturally it was just like, where am I? What is this place? But it was really, really cool, man. At the end of the day, it it was fun. (laughs) 
I mean, they got gotta love it. Gotta yeah. love it. All right. So I think this is probably a good place to pivot into you joining us for our normal thing of reacting to some crazy stories. Okay. You down for that? Of course. All right. So we're gonna go on to the first one. Do you have so, any Florida ones? Do I have any Florida ones? No, I don't have any Florida ones. I'm surprised they're not Wait, all Florida see. ones. Usually Florida man. Oh, never mind. I have I have I have one Florida one. <laughs> we can't just base everything on Florida. We'd be a Florida podcast. We would. All right. So this one's actually a Pennsylvania one. Uh, Johnstown man allegedly stabs wife, blames it on their dog. Because the dog did it. Obviously, that's why it's allegedly. He blamed <laughs> it on the dog. Blamed it on the dog. The dog's the one that stabbed her. I think the police are trying to like put this one on him. The dog definitely did it. <laughs> what kind of dog was it? Was I it was a fighter? Say, dog? Uh, that'd probably be the first time I ever heard of a dog picking up a knife. Well, no, there's that video of that woman that was pretending to be choking and the dog grabbed a knife. Gave her a tracheotomy? <laughs> yeah, no, like the dog, no, like it's on TikTok. It's a woman is pretending to choke to see like what the, it's apparently a, a trend to pretend to choke and then see what your dog does mm-hmm. to see if it tries to help you or if it ignores you. And this one, um, and this one literally grabbed a steak knife that was on the counter and she like got up and like ran away from the dog. Like with what? With its opposable thumb? Like how did the dog grab the knife? <laughs> no, <it's mouth. laughs> no it, it grabbed it in its mouth and it, it, oh. it literally like swung towards her real fast and she was like, oh my God. Okay, I see now. I was like, now's my chance to take the house. Yeah, so apparently dogs have just been biding their time. But let's okay. see what the uh, what the story has to say. A Johnstown man is accused of stabbing his wife and lying to police about what happened. Uh, it doesn't say that. It says about what happened. Uh, giving two different stories after evidence debunked his first story. Did she die? I don't think so. I think because it was if she was alive, she could be like, "No, the dog did it." That's <laughs> true. It sounds like a lawsuit. If she if she didn't die, it sounds like this is going to go to court. Yeah, I someone's feel like getting sued easily. Yeah, they can easily say what happened. The dog's <laughs> not going to testify. So <laughs> we got to got to somebody somebody get that dog a Bible. Yeah. Um, they're going to be like, "Did you do it?" Oof. Bark once for yes, <laughs> two for no. Um, Johnstown police noted that they arrived at Oakhurst Homes for a report of a stabbing victim Friday, according to charges filed. They found a woman that had significant bleeding from her lower left abdomen and had a swollen face. Uh, the dog wouldn't give her a swollen face, most likely. Are you sure? <laughs> Maybe a headbutted her. Could be. Listen, I'm on this man's side for no reason. <laughs> for no reason. We just got to have just devil's advocate. Um, I just d- think the idea of a dog just beating the fuck out of somebody. Is interesting. I mean, people like human be- style, not like dog style. Like, oh, like dogs it. can do that, but a dog taking a knife and just being like, "Fuck you." Yeah, I mean, people do fucked up things to dogs. I think it's time for dogs to fight back. Um, but let's Allegedly. see. Here. Allegedly, uh, David Lawrence, thirty-six, told police that his wife was at the playground trying to break up a fight between a group of boys when she was stabbed. That's not a dog. However, police noted there was no blood trail to be found. Um. As the wife was transported to the hospital, Lawrence took police inside his apartment so they could speak with him there. <laughs> she went to the park. She was like, you kids knock that off. And one of them was just like, fuck you. And just stabbed her. Just, it was, it was a prison yard shanking. <laughs> a dog on the yard. <laughs> you have a dog on the yard. Um, while in the apartment, police reported they saw blood in the bedroom on rags and the bedding. Oh, his story's starting to fall apart. Well, I mean, you got to clean the blood. That is true. It's not like he's just like, no, nah, leave it bleed. <laughs> leave it bleed until the, the, the cops get Don't here. Don't you dare put any pressure on that. Also, catch all the blood that might have fallen on the way from the park. Uh, Lawrence again said his wife was stabbed at the playground, though she allegedly didn't know she was injured 
until they were sitting together on the bed. <laughs> that's that's a loose one. This story he attempted, doesn't sound like it makes much sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, no, that's a stretch. Be like, honey, did you know that I was stabbed? Honey, I didn't know that you were stabbed. We should call the police now. Oh uh, no, it's my belly button. Period. <laughs> oh my god. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. So uh, they tried to stop the bleeding with rags and duct tape. That's, that'll do it. That'll that, that duct tape stops everything. Um, however, police reviewed surveillance footage and told Lawrence no one had left or come into his apartment, nor was there a fight at the playground. Always look for, always look for cameras if you're going to start making up shit. No, listen. He was doing it to protect his dog. Could have been. He doesn't want to put his dog down. They they don't they're they're really they're really you have uh, to put them down when they start using tools, man. Then they're too smart. True, true, true. Uh, Lawrence then changed his story. Uh, he said he and his wife were eating food in bed, and on the plate was a knife. Lawrence said that their dog jumped on the bed, and while he tried to grab the knife, he accidentally stabbed his wife. Wait a minute, the dog didn't do it then. He did stab his wife. Yeah, he just said he stabbed his wife. He just said that the dog initiated it. Why is this article trying to blame the dog? Because he's blaming the dog's jumpery for why he stabbed his wife. It sounds like you know, he's just looking those... for he's looking for a reason to say it wasn't his fault, but it clearly was. It's yeah, a, it's a classic domino effect, man. But it's, <laughs> it's a butterfly effect. The dog jumps on the bed, you stab your wife. It's a Rube Goldberg machine. So what happens is you and your wife, you sit on the bed, you sit on the bed, you grab your steak. You have you eat steak in bed with a knife. You get your dog. Dog smells the steak, runs into the room, jumps on the this bed. This is not a Rube Goldberg device. This is just you telling the story. This is a story. You grab the knife. You're just doing the order of the story. And you stab you stab your wife five times. It's not. You don't know what a Rube Goldberg device is. Yeah, there's, there's strings and gears involved. Science. What okay. next? So, um, let's see here. Lawrence was arraigned on charges including felony counts of aggravated assault as well as minor counts of simple assault. How are they going to say he was aggravated if you did it trying to catch the knife? That's true. It, it is on, accidental. It it's on the lawyers to prove that he didn't intend but i feel like his wife could corroborate whether he was mad or not why have they not asked the wife a lot of these stories can be answered just by asking the victim yeah just be like hey did he stab you no you know what it is actually no because technically a wife doesn't have to legally testify against their husband so if she's like he'll stab me again if i tell you he stabbed me oh don't put that on record (laughs) (laughs) off the record he stabbed me. <laughs> Off the record. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like the swollen face isn't covered at all. So what had happened in was when the story, dog jumped on the bed, it threw the knife and the plate up. He didn't notice that the plate smashed her in the face because he was busy catching the knife in as her. it went into her. Yeah. He was like, damn, that was so close. That was so close to being really, really cool. My was, timing's off. I went to catch it right above your belly, but instead I caught it while it was in it crazy yeah. also what kind of dog was this I mean, clearly a pug if it was like a tiny little dog then this still doesn't make sense a, a tiny little dog definitely a pug would not do the amount of damage necessary for you to freak out about a knife if it was like a husky or a german shepherd maybe if it was a chihuahua i would believe that it did have the knife in its mouth yeah the chihuahua would have stabbed her directly that's what would have happened there um so this i think falls into the whole this was completely clickbait um, it was not the dog that stabbed him or her. Yeah, it sounds he didn't like he was trying like son of salmon. Yeah, didn't did he barely tried to 
He basically just said a really intricate story to say, I stabbed my wife. He should have said that the dog was telling him to do it. Oh, son of Samit. Yeah, man, you should have tried. Could have, could have. We're going to go on to the next one because that one disappointed me. I was hoping it'd be cooler. Yeah, it was real blame. <laughs> that was definitely man. clickbait yeah, for wife. sure. <laughs> yeah, see, this is why we have this show. We have this show so that we can waste our time reading these so you don't have to. Um, all right. A man stopped to help a woman after she crashed. She stole his car with five kids inside. <laughs> That's mean. Her car was broken. So she, she stole what she just hopped in the car and drove off or what? It was like, full Grand Theft Auto, apparently. Like, like she she was just like, oh, no, help me. And then just threw him into the car and then just jumped into his car and went, your kids are mine now. That doesn't sound like it's going to end very well. Oh, definitely not. She's she super arrested. Yeah. She she hopped in that car and she's like, I always wanted to be a mother. <laughs> Leaving her two children in the car. Everyone said I was a bad mom. Look at me now with five kids and a brand new van. (laughs) She's going to be in jail soon. (laughs) She's like looking in the glove box like, who owes me child support? (laughs) She drove away. You owe me child support for what's your name? Timmy. Timmy. Timmy needs his shoes. Um, let's see here. Grandy, North Carolina. A woman is accused of kidnapping five children in Grandy, North Carolina after crashing her car Sunday on U.S. Route 158. She's going to go to jail for a long time. Five counts of kidnapping. She can no claim joke. insanity, head trauma from the accident. Ah, you son I'm going to go be her lawyer. Think about that. Um, officials with the Currituck County Sheriff's Office said that a man driving an SUV with five children inside stopped to help a woman on the side of the road after a crash involving several vehicles. Why'd he only try to help her? <laughs> he was like, that's the hot one. That's why. <laughs> that could have been it. Also, it's also. Probably true, but it's terrible. Side, side note. This is this man's fault he got his kids kidnapped. Never stop to help people if you have your kids. It's it's very true. You stay in the car, you call 911, you shout from the window. You drive by and go, oh shit, that looks bad. <laughs> kids, if uh, if you ever see that, Drive to safety and call nine one one. Hopefully, Amanda doesn't see this or hear this because she 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 was near an accident one time. I was like, "You better call the cops. You witnessed it. You should talk to them." Oh, so you're just going against what you told your wife to do? Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's a crazy bad person for leaving. <laughs> okay, let's see here. So after the man got out of the car to help the crash victims, oh, he was trying to save everybody. He was his kids were probably like, "You you sucked at." You're not even cool. And he's like, really? I'm going to go save all of these people's lives now. I'm going to I'm gonna final destination to this. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to be on TV and you're going to be like, oh, man, my dad's so cool. I'll show you. And then they got kidnapped. So, yeah. <laughs> like, dad, you suck. Allegedly. <laughs> oh, no, they actually got kidnapped. Say allegedly in this one. <laughs> no, true, very true. Um, let's see here. Uh, Deputy said Markle Hancocks from Chesapeake, Virginia, jumped into the driver's seat and drove away. Man, she wasn't hurt at all. She was what if straight she had pretending. To poop? That is true. When you have to poop and you're on the road and you were just in an accident, you will run from the police no matter what. You'll do anything to get to get to a bathroom. Um, so she headed north on US 158 and pulled into the parking lot of the Hop Inn. In wait, of hopping in and- of the Hop in in grandy that's hard to say <laughs> officials said she was arrested shortly after running away from the suv she abandoned her, her <laughs> new family right away 
She had a, ah. a job interview for the hop in. That's what it was. She had to get to her job interview. She wasn't going to let no accident make her late or five children. Do you think the kids just annoyed her so much that she was like, I'm done. She's like, I'm out of here. I'm not, Forget it. I, I can't, I can't take it. You're I will call your dad and tell him where to pick you up. She hopped in. She was like, I always wanted to be a mother of five. She gets halfway down the block. They're like, are we there yet? And she's like, I don't know where the fuck we're going. We so, just passed no. by McDonald's. Can we stop there? She's like, you know what? I always wanted to not have any kids. <laughs> She's like, change my mind. Be careful what you wish for. The grass is always greener. She tried it. She didn't like it. She moved on. Now she's in jail. Yeah, this was just a tryout family. That's what this was. She was seeing. She was checking to see if it fit. It didn't fit. Yeah, it's not. No bueno. No bueno. Um, deputies rescued the five children, and even though they were extremely shaken, they were not harmed. They were shaken because they didn't get McDonald's. Um, officials, officials with the sheriff's office said, Care, uh, Hancock's will be charged with five counts of second degree kidnapping. What's second degree kidnapping? She didn't mean to kidnap them. The degrees are always based off the motive. But she, First degree is always premeditated. She didn't premeditate to steal this guy's car. She true. got into a car accident. He showed up. She was just like, fuck, I'll take those kids. <laughs> spur of the moment not even take that car like, i'll take those kids to be a mom. i really think that she was just testing out being a mom uh she's being held <laughs> under too questions way uh, too fast two hundred and ten thousand dollar bond in caratuck county detention center they really need to be careful with the wording though in certain things being like the children were all severely shaken like that is an injury for a child that you would lie. be you don't want to shake children don't shake the babies yeah. Andy, you know that, right? Don't shake children, especially stolen ones. I, mean, I try not to shake children in general, but especially stolen ones. <laughs> Every stolen child I've ever had, I've not shaken them at all. They just tack onto it. They're like, stole the child, shook the child. I feel like it's not, not going to end well. Not going to end well at all. <laughs> we're going to have to. We're going to have to double check on this and see if she gets all five counts. I feel like she will. I don't know why they're just doing five. Like it's weird. Can you just imagine they do this? And she gets found guilty on four of the five counts. <laughs> like there's, what happens there's, then? There's been things I've seen that were like that. She's where it's like one of the ki- one of the kids was the one that actually told her to take them. <laughs> he was like, "No, nah, I wanted to go with her." I was like, "Mommy, our dad sucks. Can you please take us?" What would happen if the kids held up a sign that were like, "We're being kidnapped," and then she stole the car, kidnapping no, she, them she, for what they thought was a kidnapper? She got in the car. And she was like, you kids want to come with me? And one was like, yeah. And the other ones were like, no. And she was like, majority rules. That one says. <laughs> Which one of you is older? The one who said, yeah, there we go. We're going with the older one. Shut up. They're liars. <laughs> that would be an interesting one. I, re- I kind of want to double check on this to see if uh, see if all five counts stick. Because uh, if one of them doesn't stick, I feel like none of them should stick. Yeah, they'll probably make a deal with her. They'll be like, oh, plead guilty to this one and do five years and then we'll let you out. (laughs) One year for each kid that you stole. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we won't won't even hit you for the car. We're really just focusing on the kids right now. Yo, she's not even even getting charged for stealing the car, is she? No, she is. It it, it is. I just skipped over it. Uh, (laughs) Leaving the scene of an accident and larceny of a motor vehicle. Leaving the scene of an accident feels like, you know, a cliff note at this point. <laughs> yeah. It's it's they're, they're really just tacking that on. 
She really did Grand Theft Auto it. She did. She got into an accident. She's like, my car is damaged. I'm just going to. That one's clean. Did they ask her where she was going? Did she cause this accident? No. Would it matter if she was the one that caused the accident? No. What if she was on the way to the hospital because like her mother was dying or something? She was on her way to poop. I'm going to keep going with that. That's why she was going to hop in? Yeah. Okay. Everybody ready to go on to the last one? Let's do it. Is this the Florida one? This is the Florida one. All right. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Okay. Florida man. It's probably your neighbor. Sword-wielding man accused of starting fire makes it rain in jail cell after arrest, police say. That is a run-on sentence. There's one (laughs) comma and no periods. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy run-on sentence. That's why I had it, because I was like, how did you do what? And then it says, Titusville suspect Scott Taylor has a history of sparking illegal fires. I don't know. I think he's being framed. That face is of a man that is so confused why he's there. Why are half of his teeth bigger than the other half of his teeth? Because he's from Florida. Let's move on past that. Okay. Um, Brevard County, Florida. Brevard County. Officer. I know where that is. You know where that? I was literally just about to ask. If, where the, the fire if you knew this. Um, so Titus officers found a man, 37, sitting in his front yard, holding a sword and chugging a bottle of rum. That oh, that's sound like so, a, that's, so on brand. That doesn't sound like a wielding he's just holding he's just holding does he have it like stabbed into the ground like it's like a rest like dark souls um but upon responding to an active fire thursday according to a police report um the incident occurred around 2 12 a.m on craig avenue you craig um where police saw flames four feet high stretching from the suspect's home he burned down his own house jeez i thought you said he started a forest fire i thought that's what no, it just said starting fire. Um, uh, suspect's home to the middle of the road, the report continues. Uh, while the homes were within 20 feet of the flames, officers said the fires were extinguished before causing any injury or damage to surrounding houses. Wait, so he didn't burn his house down? He burned just his house down, I think, is what it is. It said it, he started the fire in the middle of the road? I'm still wondering how he made it rain. I'm so confused. How did he make it rain? Did he throw money or did he make real going rain from his house to the middle of the road? What did he? Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. Yeah, this is crazy. Like, I lit the pavement on fire and a crazy thing happened. My house caught my on house caught on fire. Is it illegal to light the, the the road on fire? The ground's so dry right now. I flicked a cigarette and it it just accidentally lit this all up. You know, like in California, man, the, Florida can't burn. There's there's too much humidity down there. Like, how humid is it there right now? It's humid. It's still hot. Humid? Out. <laughs> Jesus. Like it's like today was actually hot here in, in PA, but it, Pennsylvania it, doesn't count. There was, there was no, player. there was no humidity, like barely any, but uh, let's see here. So uh, this damage uh, surrounded by open containers of alcohol upon their arrival. He was at his own house. That's fine. He was in his yard, but uh, that's his, <laughs> property it is his property but he was drinking captain morgan look at that it's a man after our own hearts um the total cost of the damage was approximately five hundred dollars that's <laughs> not even bad <laughs> did he j- i think he just burned it like i think his he just ticket, burned the road his, his ticket's gonna be worth more than that yeah upon arriving at brevard county jail the con- the report continues taylor charged with intentional or reckless burning of lands that's a new one i've never heard that before proceeded to break the fire sprinkler head in his cell, causing the booking cell and room to flood. 
That's not making it rain. This was deceiving. I thought it was going to do some kind of like hoodoo witch dance thing. That's what I was hoping, like a rain dance. Yeah. And like it actually formed clouds in the cell early, like broke the roof and it started raining inside. Um, <laughs> officer said the incident resulted in a thousand dollars worth of damage. <laughs> that was worse than the fire he caused. He should have just left it alone. Water worse than fire. There you go. Water beats fire all the time. Always pick Squirtle. Um, police previously responded to the same location around five times over the last six months in reference to illegal fires started by the suspect. That's the end of this. He did not make it rain. How many fires did he start? Five or six. That's not even a lot. He that, only did $500 worth of damage. You're doing all in that? that one. Listen, he burned pavement and they said he burned lands. Like, that's not the same thing. But the thing is, it said it was coming from his house. But then it said that it went into the road. There's not enough information for me to know if he actually committed a crime. I don't think you can start a fire just in the middle of the road. But it, once again, you're also not allowed to burn your own house down. That is true. That That is true. Is there like burn bans in Florida, Andy? Burn bans? Everywhere. Yeah, like, do they not let you burn stuff? That I'm not sure about. I've never tried, because I live in a high-rise condo, so I've never tried. Oh, yeah, they definitely would not like for you to be burning stuff in your house. Try it out, man. Try, like, start a fire in, like, the road, and then try and bring it up to your apartment. Do you have, like, a... I don't need that drama. I don't need to find out the hard way. Just remember, don't make it rain inside of your cell, a.k.a. break a sprinkler, because that's more expensive than any damage you'll do during a fire yeah put it to you this way i never want to be the florida man you read about in the headline that i mean it would be to, interesting i try to stay out of the headlines always it doesn't take much to become a florida man why did he have a sword also this you know you're asking questions that don't need answers because up until he went to jail for and started making it rain because of the fire because i know you wouldn't do the fire part because you know you're a bitch um <laughs> Drinking rum, playing with a sword in your yard is something you would do. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna. So why are you asking that question? But also, it says that he was just holding a sword. Your your initial thing of saying that that's not wielding also tracks. Yeah, he was just sitting there playing with a sword, drinking (laughs) drinking rum. That I copious amounts it seems because he was surrounded by bottles. Yeah, up until the set in his house and the street on fire. That's you. That's setting just you. something on fire. We That's don't know exactly Jared. what it was. Jared would do all of this except for the fire. Very true. Very, very true. Um, this and was also being exploded. You might have actually done the fire part. I might have. Yeah. Uh, this was also super clickbaity uh, because none of the headline actually happened. He had a sword. He wasn't wielding it. He was there holding was a it. fire that he did start. OK, that one Maybe. is he didn't make it rain. He made it wet. He broke sprinklers. It's Florida, so they got to say he made it rain, you know? <laughs> they're like, we just need this to stand out. What Listen, is it? They were they trying to drive writing more. words. They just started writing words. No punctuation with no place to go. And they just ended it with police say because they were like, nope. I think it's supposed to continue to like this. They just changed the size of the font. There still isn't a period, though. <laughs> There's not one single period. Of How it's get it? it was probably written by a Florida man. That's what it is. Well, <laughs> for sure. He's just like, I'm going to put all the words. All the words are going to go right here. I still don't see a period. There we go. There's the first period <laughs> at the end of the sentence. Holy shit. I don't know what goes on in Florida schools, but they need to 
They need to try a little bit harder. Yeah. Oh man. Well, that's the last one. <laughs> I'm glad Florida could be um, the the finale. Yeah, we usually try to end on a Florida note because Florida has some of the craziest things. And I thought that a sword and fire and rain all in one would be something insane and maybe even magical. But Florida apparently always not. has some of the craziest things that you think about. And you're like, I don't know if that should be illegal. Florida's oh. a crazy state. What can I say? <laughs> Have you ever seen like a Florida man thing happen? Like where you're just like chilling and like you're just like this is going to be in the news tomorrow. Uh, I've seen it a few times in real life, but literally on Instagram every single day, on <laughs> on this page called Only in Dade. You can feel free to follow it. Only in D A D E Dade for Dade County. Yeah, every single day is stuff going I'm, on every day. I'm gonna have to follow that because it's gonna help me help me find articles. Then yeah. to be fair, technically we only know about all this stuff because in Florida the police have to give all of the information to the news. True. Every other state can go, oh, it's still a pending investigation, so we're going to only give you a little bit. You had a neighbor that sword fought a cop, didn't you, or something? No. No. <laughs> Why would you? No. There was the guy that killed somebody with a samurai sword. There you go. Same thing, except this guy didn't kill nobody. And then lit someone That's on worse. fire. And that probably took forever to get to the news. Probably. Probably. Bethlehem hides a lot of a lot of crazy shit that happens. You makes only know because like you were nice. there. I wasn't there. It was, it was you were just, in the it, house when it happened. It just became it popular you. afterwards. You did it. It might have been. All right. All right. So this is normally where we would like pimp out your socials and let you kind of just go and tell people where they can find you. But you're not really on social that much. So where would you like people to find you if if you if you wanted that? I'll put it to you this way. The only one that I really post anything on is my instagram which is dj ak vibes which is spelled dj ak v i b e s um other than that i don't really post much even on instagram i don't post too much but if anyone's coming to florida coming to miami specifically and wants to know where i'm djing it's usually in my story i'm usually putting tags and stuff of what i'm up to it's a mixture of drinking coffee and djing that's pretty much what i post about (laughs) there we go there we go. Do you have any like any big events coming up or, or, or still just kind of playing it quiet, just doing your thing? I'm just doing my thing, man. From the pandemic, uh, when everything closed, which what was that, like a year and a half ago? Yeah. This three week lockdown has been, you know, a year and a half in the year and a half and going strong. Well the the thing is in Miami everything closed, just like a lot of other places. And then eventually it reopened, but mm-hmm. It was enough time for me to have said, I'm kind of tired of nightlife and I don't really want to be in the mix with that anymore. Mm. So now, like I said, not to sound boring, but I mostly focus on my investments. I wake up early. I do a lot of like health exercise, working out type stuff. And I still do DJ, but it's really just not much in the clubs. It's more like it's 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 for more for like the love of it. And you're just kind of. Well, don't get me wrong. There's still. Money's still involved, but I'll do like private events. I'll, I'll do private yeah. weddings, corporate events, you know, sometimes a little happy hour, a little, th- you know, things at bars here and there. But I really try to avoid the stuff that's late night or. Online. You're not trying to be out until four o'clock in the morning anymore. No, I've done that for my whole life. Now it's time to, <laughs> now it's time to get a good night's sleep and relax and wake up early, check my stocks. You know, that's what I do. Now. Trying to get a solid eight <laughs> hours now, right? Look, if I could leave a finishing thought. I would say it's always important to evolve. You know, you do things, you enjoy them, but you also want to have 
some kind of vision for, for the future. And mm. for 10 years straight, I was on a wild ride, DJing, traveling, having fun, went to a lot of different places, DJed a lot of parties, drank a lot of liquor, stayed out plenty nights with no sleep. But that is sort of in the rear view now, because even though I still DJ and I'll, I'll always love music, I'm just a lot more selective with what I'll do because I'm focused on some other things for the future, you know, investments and stuff like that. So, yeah. And that's good. That's good. I mean, this is, this is the, this is, this is Andy chapter three. Yeah. Not to be a boring guy, not to be a boring guest, but a lot of my crazy Ah. stories are from the past as opposed to the present to the future. You know what I mean? And honestly, it's, we're, we're just happy that you came on here and you shared some of them with us. For sure. Well, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you inviting me. It was great to chop it up with you after all these years. And definitely, I'll throw some ideas back and forth. So we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to make our way down there if if we ever do because we we would love if we ever get big enough, especially in your area. So you know maybe if you can you know pimp us out to a bunch of people down there, <laughs> uh, we would love to uh, we would love to do live shows. So if we ever do a live show down in Miami, we're definitely gonna be hitting you up. Hey man, you have my number. Keep in touch, bro. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, we're going to close out here. Um, you, you can find us wherever you find your podcast. Best place to do that, though, is going to be on our website. That is rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com. You can find all of our episodes, all of Dark Rum and all of Talk Show. And also you can find our merch. You can find access to our Patreon. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rum Runners and on Twitter at Rum Pod. Kyle, did I forget anything? I don't know. Okay, cool. Well, until the next time, see you, everybody. All right, see you. Bye. Bye.